Hey there, this is John, and I want to take a quick minute to let you guys know about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. You don't even have to do anything. Your podcast will be heard on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more listening platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to the show. You are now entering Armbar Audio. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Armbar Audio. I'm your host, Tim Farley, and next to me is my trusted companion, John Kearns. What's up, everybody? Today, we are starting a new series on the channel called Why You Should Be Watching, where we take a promotion that some may know, some may not know, some may have heard of and not watched, etc., and highlight that promotion, talk about its history, its current history, and all the notable things in between. Today, we have a special guest. So, we are highlighting World Wonder Ring stardom today, and I thought of no one else better than the host of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, and co-host of Hitting the Marks podcast, Dr. Michael Jargo. You know, it's funny because it, it took us almost an hour to get this recording up and going. And we lost that great intro where you mispronounced my name and I gave you <laughs> hell and we went on for like seven minutes. Oh, uh, yeah, those those were good times. Those were good times. I'm ha happy to be on the show, guys. Thanks for having We're going to save those for a later date. Those will be put up. Put that in the in the outtakes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> B-roll. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, you failed to mention that uh, Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast, is the number one professional wrestling podcast in Chile. That's right. That's right. Number one podcast. I got that email, and I couldn't freaking you believe it. The, the, stupid cat. The, the one that really got me was I, we're also the number 16 professional wrestling podcast in Japan, oh, and wow. I don't speak any Japanese. Well, that's, so it, yeah, that that one really, really took me took me aback as well. And, and, well, and plus, we're we're now award winning. Yeah, you know, you, we, you we actually speak, won an award. You don't speak Brazilian either, but you're number one in Chile. So, <laughs> well, you know, it's amazing what happens when you put Destino as your title. It's like a, a, suddenly right. you're over huge in all of the like the Latin American markets and the Hispanic markets. It's crazy. I'm probably gonna get a cease and desist from New Japan now. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I heard I heard they did some some things for a YouTuber that was like it was on in the background or something and they had to take down the entire the entire video. New Japan's cutthroat with that, man. That's yeah, New Japan and Nintendo. So Japanese companies. And they, not to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, yeah. all right. But I guess in a weird way this does play into stardom because stardom will be affected by this. Do you, does anybody really think 
that New Japan Pro Wrestling just doesn't notice that Kenny Omega is walking around in Bullet Club gear? Like, they're hitting right. YouTubers with cease and desist. But Kenny Omega, yeah, no, we're just going to let that one slide. And you think there ain't something going on here? Like, right. Exactly. Like, come on. Come we are, on. We're having a special episode towards uh, at the closer to the date of AEW Revolution where uh, we will be fantasy booking the Kenny Omega Bullet Club storyline. But uh, this is all part of a grand scheme, and I've been saying it since since it started. This has to end with the Golden Lovers going head-to-head. And uh, I don't know what role Jay White, Evil, Tama Tonga... Uh, the Good Brothers, the Young Bucks, where they all lie. But it has to end with Omega and Ibushi next Wrestle Kingdom. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I've been on that tangent literally since AEW started. Um, it, it's going to be God versus the devil. That's that's really what they're building. I, yeah. Kenny's song in New Japan was called The Devil's Sky, and now we have Kota Ibushi becoming God. Um, and, and we've got Kenny running around like he's fucking Thanos and shit, trying to collect all the, the world heavyweight championships. So it's it's just a matter of time until we get Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. And the, the other thing I think of was that fan took a video during one of the star casts where they asked him about Ibushi coming to AEW, and he mm-hmm. was talking about how he, he asked... Uh, he knew if he would ask Ibushi to come, he would, but he right. knew in his heart that Ibushi had more to do in Japan, and he was crying. Yeah. So, like, what if the story ends where the devil does win? Ibushi pretty much accomplished what he wanted to. He became God. Right. Now, then he comes over to AEW. That'd be interesting. But that's not what we're here for, folks. We're here to talk to you about... Oh, look, I can tie this all in. I can tie this all in because I'm a goddamn professional. You ready for this? <laughs> all right. Kenny Omega wins the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. The only way that New Japan Pro Wrestling can get back the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship requires the, the services of the Rainmaker, Kenny's biggest rival, right? So you get Omega versus Okada for... Oh, Okada brings back the championship, who takes the title away from Kazuchika Okada, the man that he just beat in the Tokyo Dome on January 4th, Will Ospreay, to become IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, alongside his girlfriend, Bea Priestley, who is, by that time, the world of stardom champion. That's right, brought it all back where it needs to be. I'm a professional, baby. Woo! <laughs> Very nice. That was awesome. Wow, <laughs> that that was good, man. That Very was good. real good. But yeah, we are here to tell all of you why you should be watching World of Stardom or World Wonder Ring Stardom. There you go. There's too many words. Too many. Just words. call it Stardom. Just call it. Stardom. That's what we do. Fuckers. That's what everyone does. Anyway, <laughs> that is what everyone does. <laughs> Mike. When did you first hear about stardom and what, what got you into it? Um, I, I, 
knew you were going to ask me this, so I kind of got to thinking about it. And I think I became aware of stardom uh, during Lucha Underground. I think that was the, the big launching point for me into the world of Joshi when you have Io Shirai and Kairi Sane and Mayu Iwatani out there, you know, beating Pentagon Jr.'s ass. Right. I was like, yo, who are these chicks, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's when I really became aware of stardom. And then, like so many people do, I just kind of flirted with stardom. You right. know, where, where you, you, you catch a match here, you're, you're hearing about the, what EO is doing over there, what Kyrie is doing over there, let alone all of the gaijin talent, which I, I have a whole freaking list of that is basically like a who's who in the world of women's professional wrestling at this point. Right. And, and then at a certain point, you just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I think it was when Bushi Road really bought the company that it was just like, okay, now it's legit. It's not just Rossi like running like a little pervy kind of ring, which we can talk about that too, you know, but sort of, and it's kind of this weird thing with the Joshi, right? Where you get into the Gravor scene versus, you know, a legitimate professional wrestling company. And it was like, okay, now they have clearly made that turn. And I think that's when I actually subscribed to Stardom World. And then it was just like, okay, now I'm going down rabbit holes where it's like, show me every Io Shirai match that I've never seen. See, that's funny because I'm kind of the opposite where I start, I watched wrestling as a toddler until I was in high school. And then after high school, I got back into wrestling. And I realized that I loved the Ring of Honor style or, like, you know, the wrestler's wrestler style. And right. I saw Brian Danielson against Shingo Takagi for Dragon Gate USA. And I was like, fuck, this is awesome. Now, as a kid, I loved Ultima Dragon, but my brain didn't put together, oh, he's Japanese, I should watch Japanese wrestling. I'm just watching whatever. So, as I went down the internet rabbit holes... I found out about, I was, I was, for some reason I searched, who's the greatest woman's wrestler? And, and it kept coming up as Monami Toyota. You betcha. So then. Legend. I, oh, absolutely. And then I watched a lot of her stuff and Sarah Del Rey. They even wrestled each other in Shikara. And then I heard about Io Shirai and Kari Hojo slash Sane and Mayu. And. I started seeing all of these names that I kind of recognized under the stardom banner. And I was like, huh, interesting. But I never, like, watched it. I'd only look up certain wrestlers' matches. Then, when I was watching Lucha Underground and I saw that three-on-one match, I was like, damn. How the fuck do I get into... How do I get into stardom? Right. And where you said flirting, like we have done, we did a stardom review in our first year of podcasting. And there has been times where we've dabbled here and there, but we have, we haven't like stayed the course this past year though, we started to incorporate a show on our podcast that does the top 10 matches of every month. And as the year went on, we saw more Siri, we saw more Julia, we saw uh, 
Mayu, you know, Utami. And it started to, th I started to think, I got to start watching this regularly. Um, that's, that's where I, that's where I am with it. Yeah, I'm in pretty much the same place. Um, I think there's definitely some favorites that we could talk about if you want to get into that a little bit, Michael. Well, I mean, for me, my favorite right now is Micah. I, I, I just, I absolutely love watching Micah's work. I love watching Konami's work. Um, I am very much in the train of thought where I want to watch in-ring technicians. I want to watch people who are in the ring and they know what they're doing. And, and the, the character base part of it comes kind of secondary for me. Right. That, that, that's more where my, my partner, Rick Vickery, he is very story-based heavy. He wants to hear about the characters. And I, I don't care. I just want to see a good wrestling match, right? So it, it works for me in, on that level. But, I mean, I can enjoy a Mayu match. My problem with Mayu at this point is she has been such a pillar of stardom for so long that she's basically beaten everybody and everybody has beaten Mayu. And I, I feel like she just kind of wanders around aimlessly in stardom, where, like, even when she has the championship, there's no clear direction for Mayu Iwatani. She's just kind of there. And so I keep hoping and hoping that Kyrie will come to her senses and get out of this damn WWE contract and I want to see Kyrie come back, and I want to see bitch Kyrie come back, and I want to see, oh, hi, Mayu, it's so great to see you, and then kick her in the fucking face. And, like, yeah. give Mayu something that she can really sink her teeth into for, like, six months, because it's been a while. So you're not you're not feeling the uh, Tam feud, huh? <laughs> Here's the Tam feud, like, summed up, all right? I met these other people and I like them more, so I want to hang out with them. Well, I don't like that, so I'm gonna punch you in the face, and that's the TM view. Like, and, and I, I don't care because for me, the only feud that I want to see Tam Nakano in is the feud with Julia that was never paid off, where she was vowing she's gonna take the white belt from her. She's gonna take the Wonder Championship. She's gonna take everything from Julia. And then Tam was just like, yeah, you beat me a couple times, so you know what, fuck it, I'm good. Tam and Julia have amazing chemistry together. Oh, they're so amazing. good together. They're so good together. <clears throat> I love me some Tam Nakano. She is like the most guilty of all guilty pleasures. <laughs> uh, so, why do you think Mayu never left? I just, I think Mayu is right where she belongs. Um, because, where was Mayu? Because go? the other two left. Like it was Io, Kari, and Mayu, right? So like, and if you were going to rank them, you would rank them in that order, wouldn't you? Yeah. So who wants the number three? I mean, if, if, if you're WWE and you already have Kana, right? And then you, you right. bring in Kyrie, 
you weren't sure if you were ever actually going to get EO because of her neck injuries, but then that finally works out. So you get EO. You've got the three best women's Japanese wrestlers on the face of the planet right now. What are they going to do with Mayu? Right. Yeah. She's going to be Zia Lee. <laughs> Huh. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, well, I, right. I just, I, I, I don't see, like, I feel like Mayu, when Mayu's walking around holding the, the Women of Honor Championship, she was the World of Stardom Champion. She's She's been a pillar of stardom basically since the beginning of the freaking company. She's the face of stardom. She she is the franchise. She is Sting of stardom. I was going to say Tanahashi, but yeah. 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 I, I, I think um, I think you're right on that, uh, big time. Like she would have just. And, and speaking of the Women of Honor title, what a fucking joke, man! That, like, is that even still a thing? I don't know. I, I mean, I know they have women's wrestlers contracted, but since ROH has been on TV, they have not featured women yet, which well, is and, good because they need to. Get their shit together before they put it to put it on TV. Did did they ever get the belt back from Kelly? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Um, I mean, I, I, I the, the last I knew, Kelly Klein still had that title, and she was no longer a Ring of Honor contracted wrestler. So yeah, yeah, maybe she Stan Hansen it. Could be. <laughs> so. Uh... So maybe, maybe maybe we're gonna get a Medusa thing where you know Kelly Klein shows up right. on Stardom and throws the Women of Honor Championship in the trash and oh it would be epic that would be it would fucking be so awesome epic. that would be, really be so cool. awesome um so uh let's go through the the history here uh, if people have been watching have been listening and such there's a huge faction called Donna Del Mondo now, with Julia, Micah, Himeka, Natsupoi, and Siri. Um, what a faction. And yeah. they have taken over stardom for the past I mean, year, year and a half, I'd say. They, they were they were the faction of 2020, like unquestionably, right? Like, it's not yeah. even close. I yeah. mean, in our award show, we gave them the best faction over everybody. Because, because of how how many titles they've held how many defenses they did uh i mean julia is is holding the secondary title i guess but it's actually it's like when nakamura held the intercontinental it it's it, it means more now um so like factions uh japanese promotions and this doesn't include joshi wrestling all about factions. Can you tell us about uh, some of the most notable factions in stardom history? Wow. I mean, what a list, right? Um, Absolutely. Donna Del Mundo and the way that they are put together. We'll, we'll go through the current factions first. All right. So currently we have Donna Del Mundo, which Julia and all of her girls, you, you have stars, which is basically all the good girls. It's Mayu Iwatani's faction. And it, it's basically all the baby faces of stardom, right? 
and then you, you have a couple of unaffiliated who kind of are loosely affiliated with stars like Lady C, somebody who just debuted. Then you get into the, the big hitters, the notorious factions throughout the history of stardom. Queen's Quest, which you can trace back with Io Shirai all the way through what they have going on now with Momo Watanabe and, and current World of Stardom champion uh, Utami Hayashijita. I, there's an extra she she. I know. There. I I, I never, never said her last name. Right. I never no, said. It's awful. It's awful. You know. Yeah, I'm with you. I said ninety percent of the time I just call her Utami. I mean, um, there's but, a. I don't know if you're aware, but there's a guy in DDT named Kanosuke. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I, I don't watch any DDT. Dude, his last name literally is like take a shit uh. Oh, that's fantastic! God yes. bless TDT. Right? I mean, that's not how it's pronounced, but if you're if you're a foreigner Akashita. and you're looking at the fucking screen, you're Akashita. thinking that guy takes shits, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so probably he, like Takishita or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing that's weird about Queen's Quest right now is their current leader is Momo Watanabe, and Momo sucks. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> well, 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 no, I mean, this is currently B. Priestley's, like, a working gimmick, and it's the greatest thing in the world of professional wrestling right now. <laughs> Everybody sucks, but Momo sucks the most. Is is my favorite thing in all of professional wrestling right now. Mm-hmm. now my, when, it, when I think about it, it, in a way, she's right. And, and I mean it like this. Momo currently is, like, the fourth most interesting woman in her own faction, right? Because you have Utami walking around with a red belt. You've got AZM, who is basically like the princess of stardom. Absolutely. And then you have, you have Saya Kamatani, who they see like big things in. I don't see it. But mm-hmm. the company clearly sees it in Saya Kamatani. I hate that stupid fucking dance she does. That stupid dance she does on the way to the ring. Just drives me insane. She is the most like spot monkey of spot monkeys, and all those spots look really good. The only problem is everything in between. Yeah, uh, and then there's Momo. You know, so she's like woman number four in Queen's Quest, and she's the leader of the faction. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, here's another thing. When I first started watching uh, Stardom and trying to figure out the factions, um. Stars and Queen's Quest were there, and I didn't right. understand the difference. Like you said, Stars is the baby faces. Queen's Quest is, from what I understand, is just c- based completely on competition, right? Correct. So, what is the difference between Queen's Quest and Donna Del Mondo? You know, and that's the thing. Donna Del Mundo right now if, is... If, if, if the competition thing is the Queen's Quest thing, Donna Del Mondo's doing Queen's Quest better than Queen's Quest is. Well, Donna Del Mundo is doing everything better than everybody. Uh, I, I, they have put a rocket to Donna Del Mundo, and more specifically to Julia. Uh, it, Julia is the face of stardom. Um, and she has really grown into that role. When, when she showed up and they just 
strapped a rocket to that girl's back, and it was like, eh, I don't know, this feels kind of Roman Reigns-ish. Like, they are shoving Julia down our throats, and I, I don't know if she really deserves to be in this position. Mm. But she has really earned her way into that position. She is a hundred times better than she was when she first debuted, as far as in the ring goes. And when you look at the face of stardom, and the way that stardom was built, because I mean, when stardom was built, it was built around Yuzaki Ayakawa, right? She was a gravure model who was signed with a production company. Mm-hmm. And they trained her how to wrestle. Like, that's how stardom was built in its initial concept. Like you idols. Ju- I'm sorry? You mean like Japanese idols? Well, like, the I mean, way that, that... That's what they the call way- them in anime. Like, like, uh, yeah, like the way pop culture works over there is so different than the way that it is here. So, like, you you'll sign on to a production company, and that production company, like, we see it in the world of music, right? Like, baby metal is probably the perfect example. Just like you have the these three girls who were J-pop stars. And then the bass player from Baby Metal is their big producer. He bought their contracts and put them in a fucking metal band, right? And and that's how Baby Metal happened. It's not like, you know, they grew up in high school together and they were like, hey, let's start a band. Like, shit don't work that way in Japan. Right. So, like, you got Ayakawa who's signed to this platinum production label, which is the same... Uh, label that Fuka was attached to, and so Fuka started training her to become a professional wrestler. She's the first face of stardom, and it was all built around gravure modeling. And you still see a lot of that. Hell, stardom is still putting out the photo books like four times a year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all kinds of DVDs. There's very risque posters and whatnot. You go back, look at some of the photo shoots that EO did when she was. The I have a star- picture saved on my phone of you, Kari you know what and I mean? EO. Like, <laughs> it's still very much based around that when it comes to the marketing inside of Japan. And when you look at Julia and you look at every other woman on the roster, nobody Julia clearly stands out. Absolutely. And you know why? She's she's not just she's Japanese. Half Italian. Yeah. Right. So she's got that she's got that tan and she's got a little little more exotic look to her. And and that it's true. She stands out over all of them. Yeah. It's absolutely true. I mean, she was the one that I was drawn to when I started really following stardom. Her and my favorites are probably her. Um, I really like Izumi. I really like Hameka. And the one that I started like really like rooting for was Death Yamasan. <laughs> I mean, she's completely different now, but like, oh. I love goofy shit so much. How would I not be drawn to Death Yamasan? I'm like, this woman is insane, and I love everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> what did you What did you say when you saw her picture for uh, the 10th anniversary show? Oh, I said what I oh when she was like normal. Yeah. Because she did that. She did Death Yamasan. She did the the clown thing. And now she's like normal. And you sent me that picture. And I said, what what, what kind of Mick Foley shit is this? 
the three faces of yeah. death. <laughs> <laughs> and now you got Sue Young doing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, death Yamasan. Man, that woman. Holy shit. Where do you even begin with her? Um, <laughs> She's the well, I, I, She's definitely I, the owner. Yeah, and I, I guess we'll finish going through the factions here. I, the, the final right. one is a way no tie. Yeah, um, which who okay. uh, over the course of history, a way no tie has been the we don't give a fuck about you. We don't give a fuck about stardom. We're clearly the heels of this company. Yeah, right. right. When I and, when I first saw Oedo Tai, uh, Kagetsu, uh, yeah. Hazuki or Hazumi, Hazuki. Yeah, Hazuki, um, and I don't remember who else. And Hannah Kimura were in it. Yeah, and they were doing a dance routine. And then they tried to murder their opponents. Yeah, and they, um, do, they do the, um, the, uh, everybody calls it the Odeo Tai, uh, thing, but it's actually from Takamichinoku, Dick Togo, and somebody else. Right? Choppy, choppy, your PP. Yeah, yeah. Was it the Kayantai thing? Or did they, yeah. or were they called I, something I'm, I'm else? I'm pretty in Japan? sure. Well, yeah, I mean, Michinoku Pro is, is kind of the original. Kai and tie and whatnot. Right? Yeah, yeah. That what we're talking about is uh, the opponent is hung over the rope and they all put their foot uh, up against their opponent's <laughs> face and pose. But uh, as you were, but Oedo tie at this point has really kind of fallen to the wayside, and there's a lot of different reasons for that right i mean number one is the elevation of donna del mundo and donna del mundo as far as they're they're in this jericho kind of role because they're playing heels everything they say everything they do is heelish but they don't cheat and they're super over with the audience and so they get treated like baby faces it's like the undisputed era in nxt right like right you, you are you really heels or are you not? But in correlating with their push to the top, Oedo Tai has kind of gotten pushed down. And unfortunately, that has kind of went right along with the same time that Natsuko Tora took over Oedo Tai. And we recently at the 10th anniversary show, we just saw her go up against Julia in this ridiculous no disqualification clusterfuck overbooked hell match that was and i was really looking forward to that match because i i felt like tora especially since the restart had really elevated herself she had more of a presence to her like she, she definitely she felt, has a presence i'll give she you that felt like the leader of a waito tie there for a little bit yeah and then she got in the ring with Julia and she just could not back it up. She could not carry her part of that match to make it as good as it should have been. And it just right. seems like that's kind of the story of Oedo Tai under her lineage, you know? Well, uh, I think, you know, the pandemic really hurt Oedo Tai because... Absolutely. B wasn't there for a while and Jamie's still not there. And so I'm glad... 
a couple months ago they made the choice to put Konami in there. Because... I don't think Jamie's coming back to Oedo Tai. Why? I think that what's going to happen, since we have seen Konami join Oedo Tai, um, Konami and Bia Priestley, the Black Widows, have, have won the tag titles, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that when Jamie returns, she is going to return alongside of her new tag partner, and her new tag partner is going to be Jungle Kiona. Uh, I love has, Jungle Kiona. Why didn't we talk about her? Oh. Who has a, a very clear issue with Konami at this point. Right, right. Um, see, I, I was thinking about the tie-in with New Japan and how uh, B has been with Will. Uh, Jamie Hayter, correct me if I'm wrong, is with Carl Fredericks, right? Correct. They, it, I always thought he joins the kingdom and her and B get back together, but if you're saying the opposite, then Carl could go up against the kingdom. So, well, I, the Empire. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, Fuck. And, and, and <laughs> I wonder, because I have noticed... Who's the kingdom? Is, is that the, a... The um, kingdom's in ROH. Yeah. It's right. Matt Taven, Mike Oh, Bennett. God, I did not mean them. I, <laughs> I never mean them. I will never in my life mean them. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. oh, that's fantastic. Uh, but I, I have noticed that B is throwing up, you know, that the hand signal for the Empire um, and has been every time that she's out there getting introduced. So I wonder if we are entertaining the idea of the Empire kind of being that branch between stardom and New Japan Pro Wrestling where we see a contingent in stardom and a contingent in New Japan. Right. So... You brought up, we were talking about the factions, we were talking about Oedo Tai, you brought up Jungle Kiona. Yeah. Jungle Kiona has a rich history with factions, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, whether you want to talk about, you know, the Jungle Assault Nation, uh, going back, uh, and of course, my personal favorite, I, I was a huge fan of Tokyo Cyber Squad. Uh, so was I. To so was I. I was T very sad. TCF. I, that was my faction, man. Like, of, of all the factions inside of the world of stardom. Everything about it, Mike. The, the fucking, the color schemes, the logo, the people yeah. in the group. It was awesome. The music was great. Yep. And, yeah. and to this day, I, I open every episode of Destino with Internet Friends by Knife Park. Um, yeah. For, for, for that very reason, you know, it was just, I, I was so drawn to TCS and especially seeing Hannah get put into that position. Right. She, and she, uh, they, they say she struggled in Oedo Tai and I will tell you uh, the reason she really? probably did is because she's a natural, she was a natural face. Oh yeah. I mean, but she, as we were she, talking about Julia staying, standing above everybody else in the, in the physical look. Hannah was right there as well. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fuck. And and Hannah was in a position to be one of those pillars of stardom going forward. And she had already done a few stints here in the states with Ring of Honor. Um, 
she is absolutely one that I think everybody felt was destined for greater stardom than what she was even going to find inside of stardom. You, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. if somebody was going to get out, it was going to be Hannah Kimura. She just oozed yeah. charisma. Absolutely. Um, and, and then she got the crossover appeal, being on Terrace House, and then everything went kind of the way that it went. Right. Um, but that left Kiona in a very, very awkward position because, you know, suddenly she's kind of the default leader of this faction that was born because Hannah Kimura broke up her faction and then took her number one in the draft. You know what I mean? <laughs> because that was Hannah, you know? Like, yeah, I, I just spent three months beating your ass and I broke up your faction. I have mad respect for you. You're riding with me, you know? And then Kyona finds herself as the leader. She's beat up to all fucking hell. She had to end up getting, like, both of her knees replaced and some work on both right. of her shoulders, um also so well also let me let me interject if you're not aware of joshi wrestling the reason why jungle is so beat up is because these girls start at very very young ages yeah very young right now we, we're seeing it with hina and rena you know with the the twins uh i think they started when they were 12 Jesus and they're, they're 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 like sixteen now. You know? They still so, look twelve to me. I, yeah. AZM just graduated high school. That's wild. <laughs> she she had to miss shows because of finals. You know, like and she's out there kicking ass. It's crazy. The only thing that I could compare stardom to for women's wrestling is is the American based Shimmer, right? But the fact that stardom is that good. And the performers are that young is absolutely ridiculous. It makes yeah. me confident in the future of women's wrestling, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you want to talk about how young they were. One of the matches throughout the course of stardom history that made the most noise was built around Haruka, right? I, she was nine years old at the time, and she faced off with this guy who would go on to be known as Kenny Omega and, you know, the biggest professional wrestler on the face of the freaking planet. Like, Stardom was associated with that. That was a crossover between Stardom and DDT. Dude, you want to know something funny? I didn't know the little girl's name. And when when Riho showed up and tag-teamed with Kenny, I just assumed <laughs> it was her. And, and my whole fantasy booking of Kota losing to Kenny and coming to AEW all ended with them announcing that they've been married and they adopted a little child and now she's grown and out came Riho. So now, <laughs> now my crazy fantasy booking for that is completely ruined because of this Huraka person. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I'm, I, I am so happy that Riho is getting out of stardom. I really am. Because... Uh, they were shitting on her. Well, they weren't necessarily shitting on her, but she had, like, no direction. Like, one night she tagged with somebody from Oedo Time. Yeah, but if you get... If you get... Somebody from Queen's Quest, and the next night it's somebody from Stars, and it's like, pick a fucking direction, man. Yes, but being directionless as a former women's champion of the second biggest promotion in 
in the West is shitting on you. That, to me. Like, I understand where you're coming from, but the fact that they, uh, that they didn't recognize her notoriety... Well, and I think part of the problem was they, they just kept putting her on cards to have her on cards because of who she was, because they really had no idea how long they were going to have her. The only reason right. she was there was because she was stuck in the fucking country. Right, right. Which must be changing now because AEW announced that they're having an eliminator female tournament for number one contendership, and it's obvious that one side is all American women, and the other side is all Japanese. And How racist uh, is that? <laughs> uh, kinda, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing old faces and hopefully some new ones, like... Uh, Namely, Maki Ito. Yes. That's who I'm hoping for. Yeah. Nice, nice. But <clears throat> that is... Uh, those are not stardom names. That is another story, <laughs> another story for another time. Let's continue on this wonderful expose of stardom wrestling. Yeah, man, I don't even remember where we were at at this point. Like, we, we, we I feel like, like we, we're went going over, and... we went over some history. We went over some factions. We talked about some of our favorite people. Um, what do you want to do now? You want to talk about? Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Um, hmm. So, uh, we were talking about Kiona. We talked about Riho. Um, so, notable Gaijin from, uh, from stardom. Uh, if you're not, if you don't know the term Gaijin, that means a foreigner. So, uh, anyone outside of Japan. Um, I remember being completely drawn to now retired Chris Wolf. Yeah, I I thought it was funny that you brought Chris Wolf up to me because I was like, damn, there's a name that I hadn't heard in a while, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I can't believe that she actually stayed retired. I thought for sure that she would end up going somewhere, somewhere else. else. Um, Here is a list I, I kind of threw together of the women that I can place inside of stardom at one point or another, uh, whether it be a guest appearance or whether it be like a full-time run. Uh, alpha female. Brandy Rhodes, Chelsea Green, Emmy Sakura, Fabia Apache, Heidi Lovelace, who is now known as Ruby Riot, Hikaru Shida, Jessica Havoc, Kelly Klein, Chris Wolf, Monami Tyloda, Mandy Leon, Session Moth Martina, Miko Santamora, Molina, Mercedes Martinez, Mia Yim, Santana Garrett, Sheena Baszler, Sumi Sakai, Taya Valkyrie, Tessa Blanchard, Thea Trinidad, now known as Lena Vega to a lot of the people listening, I'm sure, Thunder Rosa, Tony Storm, Piper Niven, and Zia Brookside. That's a pretty impressive list. Yeah, I'm just on that list. Come through the company. And one woman, one woman we interviewed, uh, Zoe Sky, or yeah. Dust. She was, she did a tour over there. But uh, just based on that list, where the fuck have you been? Why are you not watching this? <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, and that's the, the reason I wanted to put together that list. Is it's just like, look at the, the freaking alumni that have right. come through this place. It's, it's insane. And then you—that's without even getting into EO and Kyrie and Mayu. It's insane. Um, so, correct me if I'm wrong. Was Tony Storm pushed to the top too quick? 
Um, I don't think so, but I could see where people would put it that way. Um, I've always been a big fan of Tony Storm. I mean, obviously her look is clearly one of a kind, unless you're Nikki Six and Motley Crue in like you know 1983, right? That, that's basically what she's going for. Um, but she can back it up in the ring. And the thing that is so weird to me watching Tony Storm now in NXT when she was doing NXT UK. I kind of feel like Tony Storm is going backwards. It's so strange to me. I don't understand it. She was until she came back from the pandemic. Uh, But I I definitely agree with you uh, about... It was like they they took away everything that was cool about Tony Storm when she signed with WWE. I think it was more... The swagger was gone. Yeah, I think... They dressed her the same. They gave her the same kind of music. They they even pushed her the same. I think it had to do with her. I think it had to do with her comfortability. Um, and it was like they were looking for an emotional range out of Tony Storm. Like I remember when she was like having those matches with Jimmy over in NXT UK, and she ended up like in tears, like sitting in the corner of the range. And it's like that's not the Tony Storm I want to see. I want to see the ass kicking Tony Storm. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so let's let's go over the titles because there's there's most of the titles to me make sense, but the title that Siri holds right now, the yeah, SWA championship, championship, yeah, you you United or, or Unified, it has a crazy name, but yes, SWA. Right. What was that born out of? Where did that come from? So, the idea behind the SWA championship was basically to have another belt. Because um, I kind of thought I kind of thought that it was like a shared title between Stardom and Pro Wrestling Eve. Hmm. Interesting. I, guess, I, guess did, I, did, I don't know didn't that. Did something happen there? I, I, don't, I don't know that lineage, to be completely honest. Uh, maybe um, I'm wrong. If somebody... Uh, watches this or listens and under, understands what my brain's doing right now, let me know, because none of us do. <laughs> the, the SWA championship in its current incarnation, anyway, um, basically, it can only be defended against people of other nationalities. Yeah. So it, it was a way that you basically always had some kind of a gaijin versus some kind of a Japanese talent. And what a lot of people don't realize is that is the very foundation of Japanese professional wrestling. <laughs> right. Japanese, Japanese professional wrestling is still, to this day, built very much around. You have the, the heel gaijin comes in. The heel gaijin wins the title. The Japanese hero climbs back and reclaims the title for the people, and everybody has a celebration. Right. It's straight out of World War Two, man. Like you know, it's it's all about beating up Whitey. That's that really plays, what you know. Japanese yeah. pro wrestling is built around, and that plays perfectly into what we've been saying about what's going on with the Bullet Club in New Japan. Yep, with and all... that's what made Kenny so so right. different because he was embraced by the the Japanese audience. He like really threw himself into the culture. 
And, and that's Kenny why Omega it was so different watching his rise. Kenny Omega, in a big way, really changed the direction of Pro Wrestling. I think so. Um, I, I think it's. I think that's bigger than Kenny. Um, yeah. When when I look at the Bullet Club as a whole, I mean, just think about the lineage of the Bullet Club. Whether it's you know. Prince Devitt, who's walking around with the NXT Championship, right. whether it's AJ Styles, who's consistently challenging for the WWE Championship, or, you know, what's going on in Impact, the Good Brothers running around with the, the Impact Tag Championships, you got the Young Fucks, I mean, the Young Bucks walking around with the AEW Tag Team Championships, you got Kenny walking around with the world title, and then over in Japan, you got G.O.D., you got everything going on with Switchblade, Jay White, like, the Bullet Club has literally changed the pro wrestling world yeah. exactly like they said they were going to. But I think it's time that Bullet Club goes back to its roots or dies because they're more Japanese. I think there's more Japanese talent in the group than Gaijin, which upsets me very much. Yeah, I'm I'm all for a Switchblade Jay White versus Evil winner yeah. gets to keep the Bullet Club. Um, and the loser is evil, and, you know, evil leaves, and Yujiro leaves, and maybe Kenta even leaves, because I really don't like Kenta and the Bullet Club. Um, and, but basically, you just split off all the Japanese talent and just leave the Gaijin stable. What you do, what you do is you have evil, Togo, White, and Gato in the ring, and the it looks like white and evil are gonna go after each other and gato tries to stop it and then white hits the blade runner on gato and then all of the gaijin uh just come out and stomp the shit out of them and then out comes omega the good brothers and that's how it all starts in japan right. i i don't think that's gonna happen i um, i don't care i just I want to. <laughs> what I what I think is going to happen is I think Switchblade Jay White is going to come stateside, and uh, I think Jay White is going to be the the centerpiece in the person that New Japan of America is built around. Mm. Um, and I think that is going to start with John Moxley versus Kenta. Yeah. Um, where you have everybody assumes Kenta is going to win that match. You put Moxley over, and then you have Switchblade show up, Blade Runner the fuck out of John Moxley. If if you're gonna give me Switchblade Jay White versus John Moxley, I'm gonna fucking watch it. Right. I tell you that right now, I'm gonna watch the shit out of it. And suddenly, New Japan of America is on my radar. Yeah. Uh, Suzuki also said something that he still. Yeah, Suzuki wants Moxley. Yeah, yeah. Give me that again. You mm -hmm. betcha. So anyway, back to stardom. This SWA title is basically, uh, you know, the ethnicity thing, uh, which is kind of weird because Siri is Japanese and uh, Filipino. So right. she has to, she can wrestle other Japanese wrestlers for right. the title. So it's right. kind of, yeah. So uh, it makes it really kind of pointless. Right. Um, but but the problem is, at this point, you can't really get Gaijin into the country. Right. 
you know, so, so you're, you're kind of just making do with whatever you can. So you put the title on Siri because that way she can wrestle Japanese people and defend the title. Right. So, uh, we got the future of stardom championship, which you can only win, uh, if you're there for three years or something. Right. And you have to be under the age of 20 years old. Right. Uh, that's that's the deal with and currently Saya Lita is running around with that championship. Uh, there's there's not really anybody to challenge her for it. So now it sounds like they're actually talking about upping the limit on the championship just so that Saya has the people to defend the championship against. Um, to me, this is where Saya Kamatani should be. You know, she should be in that future of stardom what? kind of category. Wasn't she though? Isn't that she how? Was, isn't that right. how uh, Lita won? Right. And, and now, all of a sudden, they, they're putting Saya Kamatani into a world of stardom match. And it's like, wait, what are, what are you doing? Why would you do that? I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, um, it's, it's very weird. The artists of stardom championships are the six-man, six-woman Trios! Tags. Trios. Trios, Yes. Sorry to all of our uh, Latino brethren. It's not even that. This is is why I'm Chili's number one podcast. Yeah, exactly. Well, (laughs) Camilo and Jose watch our shit all the time. That is true. Anyway, uh, then we got uh, the tag team titles, which are the goddesses of stardom title. Yeah, uh, currently the Black Widows walking around with those titles. Konami and Bea Priestley, and they're just wreaking havoc on everybody. It's oh, yeah. beautiful. As it should be. Uh, and, and those two, I love those two together. They have mm-hmm. great chemistry. I'm not even sure they can talk to one another, but they, right. they just have great chemistry. The Wonder of Stardom title, which is like the Intercontinental title, the secondary. Currently held by Julia, yes. Yeah. And the what we've been mentioning as the Red Belt, the World of Stardom title, which is currently held by Utami, and whoever wants to say it can say it because I'm not going. Oh, yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, so we've talked about current people, Gaijins. We've talked about the beginnings. Uh, one Gaijin who wrecked havoc on the Joshi world in the past was an ambassador of sorts to stardom. Uh, Medusa, right? Right, yeah. She's, she is still currently, technically, the general manager of stardom. But we have least in title. We haven't seen her in a long time. Right. No, I, I, we haven't seen her on television in ages, it seems like. Yeah. Probably two, three years at least. But I mean, the, there's just the not really time... there's not really a place for yeah. that kind of figure currently inside a startup. Right. And if so, it just kind of defaults to Rossi. And and who is Rossi exactly? Rossi is one of the the founders of Stardom. He used to be a a co producer for. He's the it, hat guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The... Yep, the old guy walking around with the hat. Yeah. yeah. He, he's he's the... actually one of the founders of Stardom. Okay. So. Hmm. Um, what are some, uh, key feuds in stardom's history? You know, I, I, I thought that you might ask me this. So I went through and, and 
kind of feuds, but I mean, really, I'm going to go to the blow-off matches, right? So if I'm telling somebody, these are the matches that you absolutely should go back and watch in like recent history, okay? Rather than going all the way back to the beginning of Stardom. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend uh, May 14th of 2017, Henry Hojo versus Mayu Iwatani at Stardom Gold. Uh, World of Stardom Championship, Io Shirai versus Mayu Iwatani. Galaxy Stars, June 21st, 2017. Mayu held both of those titles until September 24th of 2017, where she lost both of them, the second to Tony Storm, via just a ref stoppage, because she's so fucking beat to hell by Yoko Bito, right, mm. in the first match. Just great stuff, great storytelling through that whole period inside of stardom. Queen's Quest versus Awaito tie, five on five gauntlet match in stardom. Uh, seventh anniversary, January 21st, 2018. Thought that was a good one and, and kind of the peak of the Awaito tie versus Queen's Quest feud. Wonder of Stardom Championship, Mobo Watanabe versus Arisa Hoshiki, Stardom Gold, May 16th, 2019. And then probably my favorite stardom mash basically ever, Arisa Hoshigi versus Tam Nakano and the feud that just would not end, June 16th, 2019. And then the match we actually talked about earlier, Hannah Kimura and Julia. Kind of that was the match that really seemed like it was gonna set things off. And that was uh December twenty-fourth of uh twenty nineteen. Nice. Nice. Uh Io and Kari, Kyrie had a, a big feud as well, didn't they? Yeah, Io and Kyrie are kind of, what would be the best way to describe the two of them? Frenemies? Mm. You know, that that's how they were always kind of pre presented, where they, they absolutely respected one another, but they both wanted to be the best. And there was absolutely a feud there. And that kind of plays into what we were talking about earlier with Mayu Iwatani. Mayu was always kind of the odd person out. And then when Io and Kyrie both left, Mayu just kind of became the face of the company. Right. So <clears throat> we touched upon pretty much everything we wanted, we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to end this with um, Bushi Road. Uh, you explained to me is like uh, like a company like Sony, right? That's what you said. And that's they... how I would describe them. I mean, they they have their hands in all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? They're kind of like a Disney, you know, where they, they have their hands in the the fighting game. They have their hands in pro wrestling. They have their hands in trading cards. They'll make television shows. Like they, they're just like this huge umbrella corporation at this point. Right and. They're, uh, they have New Japan, they have Stardom now. The past two years at Wrestle Kingdom, we have seen dark matches of Stardom. Um, we talked about the branch possibly being uh, the, the Empire. I almost did it again. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, so, the future for stardom where where do you see it going because i feel like the the dark matches at wrestle kingdom will eventually evolve into regular matches 
and I am not as well versed in all of the uh, big main event shows of stardom, but possibly in their biggest show of the year, maybe have a couple New Japan uh, matches. I could see that happening in uh, two to three years. Um, what I can see happening, I can see stardom matches appearing on Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I think eventually that's going to happen. But I, I think that is going to be the main crossover over the course of the year. Um, the, the way that stardom works originally, stardom was broken into seasons. It was kind of like, wow. If, if you were a watcher of WoW, where they, they had like basically four different seasons throughout the course of the year. And everything now is built around these tournaments, right? And it's very much like New Japan, where you have the five-star Grand Prix, which is basically their version of the G1. Right. You have uh, the Cinderella, which is basically their version of New Japan Cup. Yeah. Goddess of Stardom Tag League clearly is the world tag league and then on occasion they will do like a rookie of stardom tournament if they have a a big group of rookies where they can actually do a tournament sometimes they'll just do like a, a regular singles match too so everything is kind of built around that at this point um stardom is definitely getting bigger uh they're they're running the big room at osaka Later yeah. on this year, uh, they, they've been running. They've got a couple of shows coming up at the Nippon Budokan. Um, but, you know, they also run a lot of shows out of Corican Hall. They run a lot of shows out of Shinkiba. You know, so they, I, I, I don't know as though we'll see New Japan talent necessarily coming to stardom on a regular basis. But I can see at big events at, like, you know, a Wrestle Kingdom, Dominion, King of Pro right. Wrestling, where y you might have a stardom match. I think that that is going to happen. I mean, last year we had one match. that It was just a tag match between the girls. This year we had two matches that were dark at Wrestle Kingdom. And then we have B Priestley being featured in a, a pretty high position. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing that the Western audience really needs to recognize is Japan doesn't give a shit about your wokeness. Uh, they, they, they don't necessarily give a, a good goddamn if you want to see women's wrestling on a new Japan card. Like, that's why stardom exists. It, is If you want to watch you know, women's wrestling, go watch stardom. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, basketball, right? If you want to watch men's basketball, you watch the NBA you want to yeah. watch women's basketball, yeah. you watch the WNBA. You don't have a WNBA game in the middle of an NBA game. Like, that's not how the shit works, right? So I, I think it's kind of baby steps into the elevator, but the Western audience just has to realize this is not our culture, culture. Yeah. And, and, and we can't, you know, project our culture onto the Japanese because that's how we want it to be. That's literally what happened during fucking World War II when we dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Exactly. Let's not do that again, all right? Can we talk... Speaking of Hiroshima, can we talk about the fact that New Japan regularly runs an event called Destruction in Hiroshima? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's completely yeah. fucked. Yeah, regularly runs... But, what? you know, New Japan, for as great as they are, 
they're not perfect. I mean, for the love of God, Toru Yano was the king of pro wrestling for 2020. Um, is the king of pro wrestling still. And he is the is. provisional provisional <laughs> king of pro wrestling for 2021 but the, i'm telling you the boyhood world dream is going to come true chase owens is going to become the kopw world class no salesman world class salesman world famous youtuber uh professional chef like amateur wrestler Toriano and, and I hate him so much <laughs> a fucking genius he's yeah, a and fucking he's genius so Tim's talking a big game, but he hated Yano like until last year. Yeah, I I <laughs> could not stand his face. Um, uh, my my friends over at the Super J Cast had this great idea, right? And, and this is now my standard for a Yano match. A Yano match is either good or bad. There there is no star rating to it. Yeah. It is just good or bad. And if it makes you laugh. It's good. And it was a good Yano match. If you sit and roll your eyes, exactly. it was a bad That's how I feel. match. Exactly. And everything, to me, like there's everything, a lot more bad Yano matches. I there just are. find it eye-rollingly stupid. There are, but for every bad one, there's Yano versus Hiroma Takahashi. Or or, or Yano versus <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. Just that like that shit cracks me up. Zack's comedic timing is so good, and he doesn't get to show it off a whole lot. Yeah. It's kind of like Kenny. Like, you knew you were going to get Kenny Omega versus Yano once a year at the G1, and it was just going to be fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That's how it is with Zach, too. I I would hope that eventually uh, Bushi Road makes it to where New Japan World and Stardom World are, are, one. are one. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be, I think, beneficial for everyone. Why? Uh, how, how is that beneficial for Bushi Road? Because instead of having to, instead of having to uh, change the culture or whatever and feature women on a men's show and everything, you could find both of the promotions that they own or whatever, if they don't own them, in one spot. So then they don't. You know what the have... you know what the Japanese would say to that. I want it for my convenience, damn it. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. You know what the Japanese would say to that? You lazy! You lazy! You give us more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, from Bushy Road's perspective, right? They got people like me that's a complete fucking sucker and paying them twice. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> if they're so great at technology, why the fuck is the WWE Network so much better than both of them it's not in any way shape or form yes Have it ever... is the fucking search engine the okay. search engines suck the search the fucking... engine okay but calm down the search engine yes but watching a program on the mobile phone version of the wwe network is a pain in the fucking ass because it skips every 10 seconds and buffers for eight fucking years well and, and here's the reality of the situation uh, we, we talk about the cultural differences between the United States and Japan. One of the biggest ones is Japan doesn't really do streaming. Yeah. Like, those services are built on, like, basically a shoestring budget. They don't really give a shit because their core domestic market, like, New Japan World's not really a big thing in Japan. Yeah, like, New Japan World, the WWE Network search might be better, 
but New Japan World works better for sure. <laughs> well, well, and I mean, like, even with, with Stardom, like, currently, they're on Tokyo MX, they're on Samurai TV, they're on Nippon TV, and they're on StardomWorld.com, right? Yeah. This is so. Like, StardomWorld.com is revenue stream number four for that company. Like, they're not worried about putting out a premier streaming service because their core domestic audience just doesn't stream. They're watching on Samurai TV, and if the WWE has taught us anything, the entire business now is more about television rights than it is about live gates. Yeah. Right. Well... Any closing thoughts, Michael? Uh, let the people know where they can find you. You can find me lurking around, man. I am a, a podcasting whore. So basically, if you've got a podcast and you need a guest, I'll fucking be there. You know, so I'm I'm, I'm basically everywhere. At this it's like George Carlin used to say: if they got a zip code, I'll fucking be there. Goddamn right, George Carlin was a fucking prophet. Yes, and nobody will ever convince me otherwise. Exactly. That's, that's why I have a huge portrait of him in my room. Damn right. Uh, you can find me across all social media platforms at Matt Jargo, although be forewarned, I probably won't talk to you because I don't really talk to anybody unless you just want to talk about professional wrestling. That's true. You can find me on Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, across social media platforms at DestinoPod, online, DestinoPod.com. And, of course, I also run the HTM Podcast Network online, HittingTheMarks.com, and the Hitting the Marks flagship with Jargo and RBV, where we come on and we talk about everything, whether it be sports or taco shops or pro wrestling and people jumping off buildings and shit. Lately, we're, we're trying to stay awake as we watch the, the introduction of the Biden administration. Um, we've been talking a lot about COVID and the vaccines because that's what anybody really seems to want to hear about. So that's what people want to hear about. You can find hittingthemarks.com, hitting the marks flagship with Jargo and RBB. All right, All right Mike. Uh, thank you uh, again for doing uh, doing this show with us. Uh, I had a lot of fun, John. I had a lot of fun too. It was it was a good time. Yeah. Well, very cool. And if anybody has any stardom questions, feel free to hit me on Twitter at Jargo, and I'll try to respond to you. Yeah. All right, Jargo, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, I'm, I'm off like a prom dress. See ya. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> and with that, wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning, noon, or night, you have a great one. And peace and love to all of you. Bang. Bang.